Welcome to Factor Magri, the climate series. This series is delving into the Hiwaka Ekanoa Primary Sector Climate Action Partnership Program. This partnership will provide a pathway to support farmers and growers to protect, restore and sustain our environment and to enhance our well-being and that of future generations. This work is being done to enable sustainable food and fibre production for future generations and competitiveness in international markets. New Zealand as a country is also bound by the Paris Agreement. New Zealand's target is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 30% below 2005 levels by 2030. This target is economy-wide, covering all sectors and all greenhouse gases. A target will be managed using an emissions budget, meaning New Zealand is responsible for the total emissions across the period 2021 to 2030. In this series, we will be focusing on New Zealand's primary industry and its contribution to New Zealand's overall targets. In this episode, I talk with Jeremy Baker, who is the Chief Insight Officer at Beef and Lamb. Beef and Lamb are an integral part of this program and their input will be vital to ensure farmer engagement is high and that farmers are part of the equation in terms of setting realistic and achievable goals that have positive outcomes. Let's check in with Jeremy now. Hello Jeremy, thank you for your time today. Uh, Thanks Angus, nice to uh, be with you. Please can you tell me about the work that you do and your involvement in the Climate Action Partnership? Sure, Um, I'm the Chief Insight Officer at Beef and Lamb New Zealand and as part of that role I am on the steering group of Hewaka Ekenaa, the um, Primary Sector Climate Action Partnership Um, and so I coordinate Beef and Lamb's input into that partnership. What is the relevance of beef and lamb's involvement in this partnership? Um, Well, obviously, climate uh, change is a really massive issue for our sector, uh, both in terms of the emissions uh, that our sector produces, but also uh, the sequestration that uh, that we use to offset a lot of that, and also the potential impact of climate change on farming itself. So it's really important that beef and lamb, on behalf of our levy players, is involved in, in this sort of activity. From an emissions perspective, have farmers already made significant gains in emission reductions? And if they have, how have they done this so far? Yeah, um, in the sheep and beef sector, we have uh, reduced uh, emissions overall by about 30% since 1990. Most of that's occurred in the in the sheep sector, so about 40%. Um, and it's largely been through uh, increased efficiency, uh, larger lambs, uh, more twinning and triplets, um, which means you're producing more meat from your capital stock, and so you don't have to have as many ewes. Um, so the, those all of those changes that have occurred since then have meant that we're able to produce roughly about 8% less meat uh, than we were in 1990, but a considerably larger amount of value. Farmers are expected to do more, and indeed I know they want sustainable businesses and better environment outcomes for future generations. How are things tracking in terms of on-farm sequestration measurement? I talked about this with Kelly Forster last week. And in order to accurately measure the footprint of a farming business, we need a pretty good handle on sequestration, don't we? Absolutely. Um, We need a handle on it at at a national and regional level, but most importantly, at an individual farm level. Uh, So we've done some work and the government's done some work and everyone agrees that sheep and beef sector is sequestering a great deal of carbon, Um, certainly a great deal of carbon in our native forests. 
uh, also in some plantation forestry, and also there is quite a lot of soil carbon. But uh, the issue with all of them is how do you measure it and how do you ensure that you can hold on to it? Um, so that's actually a big part of the Hiwaka Ekenoa project is actually improving our ability to measure our sequestration and get farmers uh, to have the uh, credit that they deserve for it. Mm. You touch on forestry, but I have to say I struggle with forestry uh, to a certain degree. Yep, sure, trees have their place, but taking good productive pastoral country and turning it into carbon farms and non-farming industry emitters offsetting emissions to me seems like an approach that is not sustainable or actually tackling the issues and does not benefit New Zealand long term. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I pretty much agree with you. And, and interestingly, so does the Climate Change Commission um, in their most recent report. Um, they, they do say that we can't plant our way um, to carbon zero. Um, so we actually do need to reduce our carbon emissions. That's the CO2 is the most problematic of our gases because it's the longest lived. Once you've emitted it, it's pretty much there forever. Carbon uh, forestry will give you about 20 to 30 years um, offset of that. But after that, you, you don't get any further offset. So um, we, we think that um, farming, uh, sorry, planting trees, particularly native trees in the right place to offset biological emissions makes a lot of sense. The uh, uh, Parliamentary Commissioner for the Environment agreed with that particular approach. Um, and we think that uh, forestry has a place in the landscape, but it shouldn't be, as you say, taking over good productive country. And it certainly isn't the solution to getting rid of or, or tackling our um, fossil fuel emissions. And how are things like selective breeding and inhibitors currently tracking to reduce emissions? Um, there are some things that are actually already showing good results. So uh, particularly for sheep, there are some breeds that, and some genetic lines that do seem to have reduced um, uh, reduced methane production for without so far without a reduction in meat production, which is important. Mm. Um, there is also work going on both overseas and in New Zealand on inhibitors for a different a variety of different delivery methodologies. So uh, within feed or in a capsule, um, obviously feed is useful for um, intensive farming or, or for the dairy sector, not terribly useful for extensive farming, but capsules might be part of the solution. Um, the reality though is that, is that those, those solutions are still a few years away um, in terms of actually being commercially and, and, and available at scale. Is a reduction in livestock numbers going to be necessary or realistic to achieve the targets? I have to be honest that we're certainly not focusing on that as a solution. Um, I guess if we don't come up with any of the other solutions, then eventually that would have to be the answer. But I think that certainly isn't our first target. Um, our target is on getting good recognition of sequestration, uh, giving farmers the ability to um, uh, use any of the technologies that are available uh, and to continue to increase their productivity and profitability. So those are our focus series. Mm. And how are farmers you talk to receiving the news of further changes coming their way? Well, but I, I think it'd be safe to say that most farmers are kind of feeling a little, a little bit overwhelmed with all of this stuff. Um, and that's, I guess, what one of the things that Beef and Lamb has to do is uh, is to help without help our farmers work through these processes. Um, it, it isn't going to be uh, simple uh, in the sense of there's quite a bit to do. It's not just climate change, there's water and those other things. And that's why um, we're working really hard to, to, to come up with some, some simpler solutions that actually help farmers through all of this. That's, that's a critical part of our job uh, to help farmers through this really um, tricky period.
And of course, this program appears to be uh, farmer supportive and indeed helping farmers through this transitional period. You obviously, in beef and lamb, clearly believe this is the right path for farmers. Yeah, I mean, I think th- this is really the, the difference between, you know, being at the table or being on the menu. Um, mm, yeah. And we really do believe that we we need to be at the table and ensuring that the, the systems and, and, re- and approaches actually work for farmers, that they're, that they're farmer, farmer-centric and, and, and actually work on the ground. Um, we managed to convince the government that that was the right way to go against probably quite a bit of opposition who thought, oh, you know, farmers should just be given a price, should just have an ETS price and, and that will solve it. We were actually able to explain to the government, well, you know, you, the ETS price for carbon hasn't fixed the problem. So why do you think an ETS price for methane is going to fix the problem? What we actually need is real practical on the farm solutions, not just a, a price that's not necessarily linked to anything um, that relates to, to achieving the goals that we're trying to achieve. I thank you very, very much for your time today. Oh, always happy to talk about this stuff. Cheers. Thank you to Jeremy for his time and thoughts. In my view, and in order to truly understand our farmer's footprint, and indeed the industry as a whole, we need to have a clear understanding and a formal recognition of the on-farm sequestration that is already happening on New Zealand farms. Without this, we simply can't accurately measure what emissions our farmers and growers are actually producing. That's why this program is important, as it is bringing together many stakeholders with a common goal. Farm plans are going to be an important tool for farmers. Many already have one implemented, particularly our dairy farmers. What I like about this program is it and its partners are committed to supporting farmers through this process and the uptake of farm plans. They make sense. Nearly all industries have some kind of management plan they use or follow, and farmers should too. What I do stress though, and I keep saying it, they need to be developed with the farmer in mind and with farmer input. This will greatly improve farmer and industry buy-in and indeed compliance and achieve the outcomes needed. Another thing Jeremy and I talked about today was the emissions trading scheme. I also talked about this with Kelly Forster on the last episode. There is significant sequestration happening on our farms and a pricing system is being developed through the program that will provide a fair and accurate recognition of on-farm sequestration that is currently not covered under the ETS scheme. There were other ideas around how this could work, such as a price at a processor level, but of course this will not incentivize farmers, nor would it be fair to farmers who are leading the charge and achieving better environmental outcomes than their neighbour. I look forward to further development on this pricing mechanism, as I am sure many others will too. We really do need to congratulate farmers for the good work they have done in recent years. Farmers and large are good custodians of the land and our message to the world needs to strongly reflect this. We need a paradigm shift in what the world pays for our products and that increased dollar value needs to be received inside the farm gate. We are and will continue to be the most sustainable food producers on the planet. We now live in a world where our international markets are awake and engaged in sustainability. So it's up to all stakeholders to make sure our marketing message is hitting the right shelves. We can't feed the world. What we can do is feed 50 million people that have the ability to pay for what our farmers deserve to be paid. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.